Well, hello everyone and welcome to Gospel Community Providence. We are a small community of Jesus followers in Providence, Rhode Island. Our goal in life is to be the family of God, redeemed and transformed by Jesus, living out God's mission in our culture. You're listening to content created specifically for our church community, and the thoughts and teachings that you'll find here come from a study of the Bible that is informed by some of the best thinkers and followers of Jesus today and throughout church history. Just a heads up, you may hear a variety of voices and distractions and noises in the background. This is because we are a church of families with real lives full of children, noise, and interruptions. We celebrate these noises, however, because they remind us that real life is not a perfectly curated moment, but is full of opportunities to worship Jesus through the messy, unflattering, and mundane. In addition to this, you may hear the voices and comments of various audience members throughout the teaching. While this often causes our time to go a little long, it also deepens and enriches our time together as we discuss what we are learning and reflect on how to live it out. So bear with us. We are not professionals, but we are imperfect people who love and serve a perfect God. Let's go. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I call out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Amen. Vomit. My wife has a claim to fame. She has not vomited since like 1994 or something like that. Um, even all throughout the first pregnancy. Vomit-free since 93. I don't know. It's been a while. Um, Jonah chapter 2 is a poem, right? Uh, anyone into poetry? Uh, my, no. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. Uh, my, my mom has recently, uh, in the past like uh, five to ten years, uh, gotten really into poetry, uh, and she, she may be watching live right now. Hey, Mom. Um, she's been into poetry, so she's been writing a lot of poems. We're in the process of trying to help make a website for her so she can post her poems there, but she's got a pretty big following uh, of people uh, in uh, the Ukraine and in Russia who are actually following her poems because she writes poems in Russian, so. um, but she's a poet, uh, and Jonah is a poet. Uh, we started out 
this series for Jonah because we want to do a series on mission every single fall. In the fall, we spend some time focusing on mission. In the spring, we spend some time focusing on family. And the rest of the year, we focus on Jesus. Okay, does that sound like a good rhythm? Uh, And it makes sense. Fall is a good time to kind of ramp up on new things. Uh, For those of us that have kids, in a couple of years, fall will be the time when school starts. And so it kind of just feels new, right? It feels like it's a start of a new year, even though it's three months until the new year or two months until the new year. Uh, and so it makes sense to start our, 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 that portion of our time with, with a, a series on mission. Um, our goal in studying through Jonah is to see just how much you and I are like Jonah in our own lives. All right, Jonah is not the, uh, the hero of the story. Right? He is the anti-hero. He is the Heisenberg of the story. Okay, uh, he's the guy that you can't get keep your eyes off of because he's crashing his his you know life into the ground so much, uh, and you just watch it happen. And the whole time you're you're kind of criticizing Jonah, only to realize by the end that I, I am Jonah. This, he's talking about me. Okay, so our goal is to see how am I like Jonah, and my prayer as we go through the, the book of Jonah is that we will come to a place of humility and repentance. Right, as we turn back to the calling that God has placed in our lives. And I asked you guys last week uh, to, to ask Jesus the question, where am I running from God's call? Maybe that is uh, in a particular area of my life. Maybe that is related to mission specifically because we're studying through Jonah with a missional lens. Uh, maybe God is calling you to speak up to someone, a coworker, a neighbor, a friend, and you are just kind of running from that. All right. Or maybe it's something else. Um, for those of you who were able to join us either online or in person last week, what stood out to you from Jonah 1? Jonah 1. I'm going to drink my coffee while you think. I guess the irony. Mm-hmm. The irony. Uh, just the irony of the fact that even though he was the prophet of God, that he was the furthest, or the one that just did not want to obey God by any means, but yet the pagans who were on the ship quickly realized, like, this is the one true God, like, we need to repent, basically, and get this guy out of here, what's the kind of Yeah, Jonah is chock full of irony and satire, and it's almost like a comedy for us to read. The one person in the book that's supposed to get it doesn't. Uh, everyone else and everything else in the story gets it. Right, even the uh, 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 you know Jonah has this almost uh, comic book feel, where even like the inanimate objects are given like personalities, right? The wind, the waves, the ship—they're almost like characters that are a part of this play, and they have a mind, and they and they have a uh, and, and they, they obey the word of the Lord, whereas Jonah doesn't. <laughs> right, everyone and everything in the book of Jonah gets it except for him. What else stood out to you from Jonah 1? Why is Jonah running away from the Lord? He didn't think that people deserved yeah. his grace. Yeah. Jonah thought that there are certain... Jonah. Uh, in his understanding, there were certain people that deserved God's mercy, a.k.a. me and my friends. 
right? And then there are other people that don't deserve God's mercy. They're too evil. They're too far gone. They're too this. They're too that. And so they deserve God's judgment. I should get God's mercy and they should get God's judgment. Yeah. That's a bad perspective. Um, as you've kind of chewed on last week's teaching on, on chapter one of Jonah, has anyone had any moments of realization where like, man, I think I'm being a little bit like Jonah in this area of my life. It's okay if you haven't. We've got three more weeks of this. <laughs> By even reading the book of Jonah, uh, I feel like we're asking for trouble, <laughs> right? Uh, we're reading a book that is intended to show us just how much we are like Jonah, right? Jonah is in open rebellion to God's call in his life. He's not a very kind and loving guy. Uh, even the one other time that Jonah appears in the, uh, um, uh, in the Old Testament, it's not a good picture, right? He's not necessarily the good guy even then. So when we get to this part of Jonah, we should be like, wait a minute, Something's not right here. Right? He's not a very kind and loving guy. He shows himself to be very selfish, very self-centered, and at times even hateful. And I think to myself, well, I'm not, I'm not like that. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm a generally nice guy. Right? I, I, I like people. I like to have friends. I don't think I'm very selfish. I don't think I'm very self-centered. I don't think that I have people that I hate until those moments come. Right? And in my anger... I get frustrated with someone uh, and those portions of me come out. Or in my anger, uh, I do something that is selfish and self-centered, right? You've had those moments. I've had those moments where you realize, oh, wait, I am a little bit like Jonah. Right? And as we come to the end of Jonah chapter 1 uh, in verse 17, if, if, the, if, if this was your first time reading this book and if you had stopped right there, what would you assume? Jonah just got swallowed by a whale. The end. The end, right? That's, that's a pretty decent story. Uh, God tells you to do something. You do the exact opposite. You run away. Uh, pagans are repenting. Ships are repenting. Seas are repenting. Uh, I'm going to continue my rebellion. And so then I get what I deserve. The end. It's a, the end of a good story. Right? Thankfully, that is not the end of Jonah's story. And that's not the end of our story Right? Jonah is not dead, as we're about to see. Uh, he is very much alive. Uh, he's in the belly of a fish, and he's working on his poetry. Right? That makes sense. Uh, if I was in the belly of a fish, I'd probably be saying something like, help, 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 help. Uh, Jonah is working on his uh, psalm of thanksgiving. It actually follows a very, uh, a very common flow. If you look through the rest of the psalms, you can actually find other psalms of thanksgiving that follow very similar flows. Um, whether or not Jonah, probably, probably what's going on here, if I was a betting man, Jonah was probably experiencing these things and praying help, help, help. But as uh, my guess is the psalm was written out of that experience, is my guess. Unless he's really, really good at writing poetry while in a moving aquatic animal. Um, but yeah, every psalm of thanksgiving starts with an introductory, an introductory, an introductory summary of answered prayer. We see that in verse 2. Uh, every psalm of thanksgiving has a report of a personal crisis, right? Verses three through six. 
Uh, every psalm of thanksgiving has a, a portion where they talk about the divine rescue, right? I've talked about my, how the Lord has answered my prayer, the reason why I needed it. Here's how he rescued me. And then every psalm of thanksgiving ends with a vow of praise, which is what we see in verse 9. Uh, so this morning, as we read through Jonah 2, we're going to read through it one more time. Uh, we're going to spend a few minutes uh, talking about how God's, uh, in, how God's justice uh, is actually his incredible loving kindness to us. Right? Again, we think I deserve mercy, my enemies deserve justice. And then when I get justice, uh, I kind of freak out a little bit. Like, Why, why are bad things happening to me? Um, I think at one point or another in our lives, uh, we are going to find ourselves in a place of brokenness. Right? A place where we are at the end of ourselves. Uh, some, uh, some scholars call it um, uh, the dark night of the soul. Right? The valley of the shadow of death. Uh, sometimes this mess uh, that, that we find ourselves in, this place we find ourselves in, is a mess of our own making. Right? Kind of like Jonah is. Right? It's a mess of his own making. Uh, kind of like David in the, uh, when, when he sins with Bathsheba and he has all these consequences that come out of that, right? That is a mess of his own making. Uh, sometimes uh, the, this, this predicament we find ourselves in is actually a result of someone else's actions, right? Think of uh, Job, right? He did nothing wrong. He was upright according to the Lord. Why was he going through the dark night of the soul? Right, because of someone else's actions. Think of Joseph, why was he sold into slavery, thrown into prison, and all these bad things happened to him? Was it his own fault or was it someone else's actions? Right? Sometimes it is a mess of our own making. Sometimes it's the result of someone else's actions. And, uh, and if you haven't been in this place before, maybe, maybe we're, uh, we're too young to have really experienced this thing called the dark night of the soul. Right? Uh, it's probably coming. <laughs> right? You've either been there you are there or you're going there. Right? At one point or another, we come to this point where we are at the end of ourselves. We're at rock bottom. Right? And how you understand what is happening to you and how you respond to your circumstances uh, can either be a breakthrough moment or a breaking moment. Right? This is important. When I am going through the dark night of the soul, at the end of myself, at the bottom of the barrel, bottom of the ditch, what's the, what's the phrase? I don't know. Uh, when I find myself in that point, how I respond can either be a breakthrough moment or it can be a breaking moment. Right? It can be a breakthrough moment where I, I go through an incredible amount of spiritual growth and maturity in Christ. Right? My faith is grounded. It is founded on something that is greater than myself and my circumstances and I am strengthened and I come out stronger than before. Or it can be a breaking moment where I come to the end of myself and I come to the end of my relationship with God. And I walk away from it all. All right, let's see how Jonah handles this. Uh, Jesus, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would speak through your word uh, into our hearts, into our souls. Would you show us how we are like Jonah? Uh, would you challenge us to be more like you? Would you speak even through me this morning? Pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. 
Uh, Chapter one, verse 17, uh, follow along with me. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And some of us at this point are already checked out. All right, fish, swallowing man, not possible, we're done. All right, this must, at, at best, this is a parable. Right? Someone made up a story to tell a good, a good point. Um, listen, if you and I are really followers of Jesus, then we believe that uh, God became a baby, uh, lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, was raised again from the dead. And I think that that's a little bit more complicated than surviving in a fish for three days. Right? So at the very, very least, we can say this was a miracle from the Lord. Right? It's an unexplained phenomenon where God intervenes and this man somehow miraculously survives three nights and three days in the belly of a fish. Okay, so we're going to go and put that aside. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, and then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Uh, Theologian R.T. Kendall says, uh, a belly, the belly of a fish is not a happy place to live, but it's a good place to learn, right? Jonah is at his rock bottom moment. He has, uh, we've been following in chapter one, this, this uh, word play with the word down. Do you remember that? Uh, he went down from, Jop, from, from where he lived to Joppa. He went down to the ship. He went down into the ship. Uh, he went down into sleep. And then at the end of the chapter, he went down into the sea. Okay, into the belly of the whale. And he is as far down as he can go. This, you can't go any further down. Right? He is literally on the brink of death. That's what this word, the, the belly of Sheol, means. He's on the brink of death. He's at the end of himself. And in this moment, something incredible happens. Okay, I don't know about you. When I have been in rebellion, running from the Lord, uh, 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 disobedient, doing something I'm not supposed to, and I don't want to repent of it, and I've had these moments... You've had these moments. Um, I don't typically think, I'm just going to turn to the Lord. And it takes some time for me to, uh, to, to come to that point of humility and say, all right, I, I messed up. Jesus, forgive me. I repent. Right? And something incredible happens. Even though Jonah is as far as he can be from the Lord, he cries out to the Lord and the Lord hears his voice. Right? In our own stubbornness and pride, we often turn and run from the Lord. Oftentimes. I do this all the time. Yet, no matter how far we run, we can always turn back and he's right there ready to forgive and accept us. Do you believe that? Right? It doesn't matter how far I run, I can always repent, turn around, and he's right there. Right? If you've walked with Jesus for any period of time, you know this to be true. Right? We have many moments of failure and even rebellion and when we confess and we repent, he's right there. Right? Are you there right now? All right? Are you at the end of yourself right now? Or is it coming your way soon? Talk that away. All right? Call out to the Lord and he will hear your voice. Uh, so Jonah is broken. Right? He's at the end of himself. And there's a little tidbit that, that's in this next couple of verses. That's really tricky. All right, and I want to process through this together. Read this with me. Verse three. Uh, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Uh, then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet shall I again look upon your holy temple. 
right? Jonah's in this worst place of his life. He's hit rock bottom. He's experiencing an incredibly difficult blow. And I want to ask you this. Uh, based off of what we read in chapter one, is Jonah's predicament a mess of his own making or is it someone else, someone else's fault? His own making. His own making. Right? Whose fault is it? 100% Jonah's. Okay? Yet, if you look at verses three and four, right, who does the text say is responsible for casting Jonah into the deep? God. Whose waves and billows pass over him? Right? God is the one who is not just allowing, but causing these things to happen in his life. How do you reconcile that? Right? I thought we tend to think, um, we tend to think one of two wrong perspectives. Right? Sometimes we wrongly think that God would only bring blessings and goodness into my life. Right? And anything that is bad or evil or wrong or suffering is not from God. Right? He, he would never bring that into my life. We wrongly think that. On the other end of the spectrum, sometimes we wrongly think that any difficulties or trials that are in my life are because God must be angry with me. Right? I, I wasn't reading my Bible enough, and so he's punishing me. Right? I wasn't, uh, I, I, he told me to you know, talk to my neighbor about this, and I didn't, and so he's, he's punishing me. So we, we tend to have these like, works-based uh, understandings of our theology where God is either only ever going to bless me and he's never going to bring anything bad into my life. And if there's anything bad, it must be the devil or something else happening or the world. Uh, and if uh, on the other end, we, we, we think that the good and bad things in our life are based off of how well I'm doing uh, with God, right? We sometimes, oftentimes fail to see uh, how God uses the storms and difficulties in our lives to make us more like him, right? God's storms... The difficulties in my life are intended to make me more like him. Right? Even more so, we fail to see how God sends these storms into our lives for our good. Uh, believe it or not, God is not interested in my happiness. Okay? God is more interested in my holiness. Right? My holiness is more important to God than my happiness. Now, when I say the word holiness, please don't think like piousness or, um, uh, or like just religiosity. Like I want to you know, wear my robes and go and sing my songs in church and, 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 and never do anything wrong whatsoever. Please don't think of like piousness as holiness. Right? My, my, my Christ-likeness is more important to, to God than my happiness. Okay? Uh, and Jesus explains this so well in the New Testament. He talks about this idea called uh, uh, the full life, life to the full. Right? When I'm walking in the way of Jesus, when I am the most like God, when I'm the most like Christ, I'm actually living life to the full. Right? I get the fullness of hope. I get the fullness of love. I get the fullness of joy within that life. Okay? So God is allowing and even sending difficulties into our lives in order to bring us to the end of ourselves. Is that hard to hear? That sometimes the reason why I am being brought to the end of myself 
is because God is not, not just allowing, but sending that, breaking me, to, bringing me to a breaking point so that I will repent, turn to him, and live life to the full. Is that hard to hear? Is that hard to process? It's easy to, I think it's easy to understand intellectually. I think it's really, really hard when you're going through it. Right? How could God allow this to happen to me? Doesn't he care? Doesn't he love me? He actually loves us very, very much. And we're gonna talk about that in just a second. But let's, let's see how Jonah wraps up his, his poem. Verse five. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. So he's just continuing to describe just how dire his situation is. Right? And if you, can, if you are, 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 have a great imagination, you can actually take the poetry that he's using and you can put yourself in Jonah's uh, place and his feet and you can imagine what's going on. You've got stuff in your face. You've got uh, you know, fish belly around you and other fish bits around you. And like, it's, it's, it's bleak, right? It's not looking good. Verse seven, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Uh, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their, st- their hope of steadfast love. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. All right, and in verse 8, we get an interesting glimpse at uh, the incredible irony of Jonah, as well as just some really good, deep, meaningful truth. Okay, when you read verse 8, does that sound like Jonah? Right? Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their steadfast love. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Right? That doesn't sound like the Jonah we know. Right? He is the guy who is running from the Lord. He is the guy who is rebelling against the Lord. He is the guy who wants to withhold mercy from the Lord. Right? He's the guy who all the pagans are praying to his God, but he won't in chapter 1. So you see the irony here, right? He's saying, pagans, they they pray to vain idols. (laughs) In chapter one, it was the opposite. The pagans were praying to God and you were the one that was refusing to do that. But we also get a really beautiful, deep, meaningful truth. There's this word uh, that we see in chapter uh, two, verse eight. Uh, It's it's this word hesed. Are you familiar with that? Anyone heard that word before, hesed? Sometimes it's pronounced kesed. It's a Hebrew word. Um, it is actually, uh, it's really hard to translate this word into English because there's no English equivalent to this word. All right, hesed. Um, this word hesed means love. And usually it is uh, used as the word steadfast love. That's one of the ways that people tend to translate it. Uh, and it's used twice in the book of Jonah. Once uh, when Jonah recognizes God's hesed for himself. And once when Jonah recognizes God's hesed for the Ninevites, okay? What does this word mean? It's a word that is rooted in covenant relationship. A couple of weeks ago, we signed a covenant with one another, right? It's a, a, that's a relational word, okay? In, I, in the book of Isaiah chapter 54, this is in your guide. I want you to look along with me. In, the, in Isaiah 54 verse 10, uh, this word means steadfast, Rock solid, enduring faithfulness. 
Okay? Verse 10 of Isaiah 54 says, For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my hesed, my steadfast love, shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed. Do you see that? It's steadfast, rock-solid, enduring faithfulness. Okay? In Lamentations chapter 3, uh, we see that this word means that, that it's a love that persists beyond any sin or betrayal. Right? It seeks to mend brokenness and it graciously extends forgiveness. Right? Read this with me. Uh, Lamentations chapter 3 verse 31. For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his hesed, his steadfast love. Right? It is a love that persists beyond any sin or betrayal. Hesed, God's hesed, is the reason why in the Old Testament you see Israel fail time and time and time and time again. They break every covenant that they make with God, and yet God continues to extend his enduring, steadfast love to them. Right? This is, uh, listen to this quote. This is John Oswald. He says, the word hesed is the descriptor par excellence of God in the Old Testament. Right? This is the best word to describe what God is like in the Old Testament. The word speaks of a completely undeserved kindness and generosity done by a person who was in a position of power. Right? This was the Israelites' experience of God. He revealed himself to them when they were not looking for him, and he kept his covenant with them long after their persistent breaking of it had destroyed any reason for his continued keeping of it. Unlike humans, this deity was not fickle. He was dependable, self, he was not depend, undependable, self-serving, and grasping. Instead, he was faithful, true, upright, and generous always. All right, this is the God of the Old Testament. This is Yahweh. He is Hesed. Lois uh, Tverberg says this, and this is a great example of Hesed. All right, Hesed is a bone-wearied father uh, who drives through, uh, through the night to bail his drug addict son out of jail. All right, Hesed is a mom who spends day after thankless day spoon-feeding and wiping up after her disabled child. Hesed is the, an unsung pastor's wife who long, whose long-suffering, tearful prayers uh, keep her exhausted husband from falling apart at the seams. Hesed is love that can be counted on decade after decade. It's not about the thrill of romance, but the security of faithfulness. Does that help you understand a little bit what this word means? At this, the depth of this, of this word, this, this steadfast love. Steadfast love doesn't even, it's not enough to describe this word. Right? And Jonah recognizes God's hesed for him. And he willfully, gladly accepts it. Again, all of the mercy on me, all of the judgment on others. Right? And Jonah does teach us something here that is deeply profound. Right? God loves us so deeply, so unwaveringly, uh, that though we run from him to the ends of the earth, we are never so far gone that his love will not pursue us and welcome us back. 
okay? And sometimes his love feels like a storm. He loves me enough where he knows if I keep going down this path, it's gonna lead to my destruction. And so he brings a storm into my life to bring me to that breaking point, to bring me to the end of myself. Not because he's vindictive, not because he wants to hurt me, not, not because he enjoys seeing me in pain, but because he loves me so deeply that he wants me to see the, the brokenness that my path is leading me to, towards. Jonah rightly says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Right? He alone is the one who pursues us when we rebel from him. Right? He alone is the one who lays down his own life for us. Listen, we're gonna see in chapter three just how hypocritical Jonah's words are. Okay, right, he, he gets it, right? He understands, right? he understands um, God's hesed, but he wants it for himself. He doesn't want it for his enemies. Have you, have you felt that where you, you, have, you have moments in your life where you, you understand the right things about God? You understand what he's like. You don't necessarily live it out the way that you should, right? The, the knowledge is there, but the, the, the practice is not. All right, we're gonna see that next, the next two chapters. But this morning, I want you to pause and I want you to process, where are you this morning? Are you coming out of the dark night of the soul? Are you in it right now? Are you heading into it? Right, is the Lord bringing you to your breaking point? All right, have you stopped to consider uh, whether this rock bottom moment is an example of God's incredible hesed for you, right? his unwavering, rock solid, enduring faithfulness to you? Last week, we talked about where, you know, where am I running from the Lord? Uh, this week, I want you to process through uh, where, where is my rock bottom? What is the point at which God is going to break me so that I um, will turn to him? Uh, I wanna, I'm going to pray, and I actually want to play you guys a song. <clears throat> if I can find it real quick. Uh, I want to play you guys a song uh, that I, I don't know that we would ever use it for a, like a worship song, maybe one day we'd get there. Um, but it's, all, it's a deeply, deeply meaningful uh, lesson. It's actually talking about this, this experience. <clears throat> but let me, let me pray for us and then I'll pray this and I'll play this. And I want you to take the three or four minutes that this song is playing uh, and I want you to process through, um, continue to process through how am I like Jonah? Right? Where is my breaking point? Where is my rock bottom? <clears throat> and maybe you wrongly think that you are in your rock bottom because you know, life is unfair, because all these things happen to you. Maybe, you. maybe you think you're in your rock bottom because you brought yourself there and you deserve it. Right? But I want you to ask Jesus, Lord, uh, is, is this here because you want me to turn to you? Okay? Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, we are like Jonah all the time.
we know the right things to say. Uh, We have the right doctrine sometimes, but we don't live it out. Uh, And I asked this morning, um, as you brought Jonah to a breaking point, would you bring us to a breaking point? Uh, Not because we enjoy suffering, not because we are sadistic or anything, but because we we need to be uh, snapped out of our rebellion to see your uh, your steadfast and unwavering love for us. Jesus, would you bring us to that breaking point? Pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.